it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Eric P. Bishop. He is the author of the highly acclaimed new release from last year, The Body Man, and his current release is a novella told in that same universe called Ransomed Daughter. Eric, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Terrence. I appreciate it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the world that you've created and uh, tell us a little bit about your latest work, Ransom Daughter. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I will tell you, so this is actually different characters from The Body Man. Okay. So the Body Man sequel, which is called Breach of Trust, will come out next year. That will kind of continue the Body Man's uh, series. Um, so Ransom Daughter is something real quick. It actually feeds off of the first novel I wrote back in 2014 created this character named Troy Evans. I created the Omega Group, and I wrote three novels in that world. And um, like with a lot of things in publishing, I wasn't able to sell them right. or get them get them out in the world without self-publishing, which I didn't want to do at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of been sitting there in my back burner. And as things got going with the body man, I keep always going back to Troy and wanting to bring kind of bring him back. So, so Ransom Daughter is something, uh, the novella is something I wrote several years ago um, and never really finished. So this year mm. I kind of decided since I had a gap between the body man and breach of trust, I thought, well, this is a perfect time to introduce Troy into the world. And a, a good way to do it would be doing a novella, something mm -hmm. small, something that I can manage easy, something I can kind of fill in the gaps and fix the story by the end of the year and get it out to everybody. Right. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, it, it's funny, we've often talked offline about uh, how one has to approach it, not just from a creative standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. And it's smart that you've done that with Ransom Daughter because you wonder, you're, of course, you've got your creative passion taking you in one direction, but you've also got the practicality of the selling of books itself that you have to be concerned with. Absolutely. So when I when I first wrote when I wrote that first novel in 2014, my only thought was writing a great story. Mm -hmm. And I was not yet aware mentally, which was shame on me for understanding that it's called the publishing industry, right. uh, not, not the publishing charity or the publishing. <laughs> we feel bad for you and we're going to publish you because we're nice people. <laughs> they are nice people, right. but they want to get paid. Right. <laughs> and if they get paid, you might get paid <laughs> right. but you're on you're down the totem pole a little bit so you you know um so yeah that, i've definitely uh, probably around 2016 one of the first rejections i got for that first novel was from uh, and i couldn't tell you now who the agent was but they're like you know pretty good story um what's your social media presence and your website right. and everything you, you didn't list it in, there's nothing in your cover letter about that uh, or your query letter um, and I basically reply back to this person. I'm like, social media is for suckers. I wouldn't do that. You know, don't do that. And basically, this person replied back and said, once you have 10,000 Twitter followers and once you have this kind of an audience, and they listed it out, then contact me again. Wow. Um, and that kind of just blew my mind of like, and that made me start diving in of going, oh, yeah, this is a business. Oh, this the days of an author writing a book and giving it out to, you know, giving it to their agent and giving it to a publisher 
and then going back and writing the next book is, you know, that's, that's the, that's the carriage and horse. Now that doesn't right. exist anymore. You yeah, have that, to be a business person. Yeah. That is the buggy whip of uh, manufacturing of, of publishing now. I mean, it's, it's not just enough to have a good product. Now it's about everything else that's so far removed from writing. It's, it's yeah. almost absurd, but it's necessary. I don't blame them for that. No, I don't either. And it, but it's it, and it's it, it takes it really it takes control over the writing a lot. So you have to really prior. And I'm not right now. I did write recently, wrote a chapter, but um, right now my priority is getting Ransom Daughter out um, since it's under my own brand now. Um, right. That eats up. Like I I had it professionally edited. Everything was good, and I, I printed off some more copies with that final edit just mm -hmm. to go through it because I look at books all the time that come out of the big big the big five. And there's still typos. Um, right. Oh, yeah. Tell me. <laughs> and they've had a lot of eyes on it. So I, I printed off some copies. I handed it to two people that I know are really good at editing. Um, mm -hmm. One of them edited legal stuff. Another person edited accounting stuff. But it gives you a different perspective because right. they're not used to editing, you know, fiction. They're used to editing these other technical things. And, a sh and they didn't find a lot of issues, but they both found is uh, some similar things and some different things. So right. two nights ago, I went through the one person's comments and I updated the master document. And last night I went through the second person's and I then I spent an hour uploading everything to Amazon again. I ordered a couple more proof copies to then go through yet again. And um, just so that what I put out there, which I'm sure will still have an issue or two, it has mm -hmm. as few. And I want to get as give as few people as possible a chance to give me a negative review that say you suck because of your <laughs> grammar or your edits. Um, and I do, but I don't want them to know that. So don't <laughs> scratch that part. No, Yeah, you know, it, it's just amazing all of the different steps people have to go through in order to get their book to market, whether you go through an agent and be traditionally published, or you have to go through what you're doing, which is self-publishing or even starting up one's own publishing house. It, it's not yeah. easy. And it's not intuitive either. There's a lot of different parts, as we've talked about privately, that have to come together for it. And I think people kind of believe that it might be a lot easier than it is, but there is nothing simple about any part of this process. No, I, I agree. But I'll, I'll throw the caveat out there to people that are listening, and then they get discouraged hearing that. Um, because the, the glass being half full on that, which very true statement, is that what in life that is easy is super rewarding. Mm -hmm. Normally, if you have to work hard for something, you know, when you really have to, you know, if you're just given a piece of cake, it right. might taste really good. Sure, of course it does. But man, if you didn't have a piece of cake for a while and you worked your way up to, hey, this is a treat, you savor those bites a little bit more. And that's right. really how I do view the publishing. Uh, mm -hmm. Putting all the pieces that I've had to put together for Ransom Daughter have definitely been a pain in my butt at times. Right. Um, but the reward has been much stronger personally than even the body man was mm -hmm. because and part of it too is because i'm so ingrained in what i'm doing the, the the positive side of that too is i have a lot more control right so i don't i don't have someone telling me this is your deadline for this this is what this is going to look like um uh, it's all on me which is a lot of pressure mm -hmm. but it actually has made that you know the, the fact that when i first i know it's audio only but i'm hold, holding a copy <laughs> when i printed off that first copy to start looking through it right. um that was real. I didn't get a print copy of the body man until I went out on Amazon and I bought a hardcover and a paperback with my own money. Wow. My author copies showed up, I think 10 weeks after publication date, which was 
super not exciting. Right. But I savored getting that copy I bought. Those copies I ke- I'll keep. The ones I got for free are not free, but the ones I got from the publisher, see ya, goodbye. I don't, I don't want them. Right. Um, I'll, I'll give them away to people. Um, right. But those ones I had to buy on my own, you know, again, when you do it on your own, you savor that a little bit more, I think. Um, yeah, I would say so. And also, it's it's just important for people not to be discouraged about entering into this process. It's just for them to realize that it isn't as easy as you might think. And you have to prepare yourself for a certain degree of learning curve and a certain degree of failure and a certain degree of frustration. Because just because you're calling the shots doesn't mean everything's going to go your way at the snap of a finger. 100% right. 100% yeah. right. And the, the thing I try to tell people, though, is when you get that copy, when you get to the top of that hill, because it's not a mountain, you're climbing hill after hill after hill after hill. Yep. When you get to that hill, holding that copy, I actually filmed mine. So when I opened Ransom Daughter, I, I didn't mm. do it live, but I filmed it. And I that, that take is what went on social media. When right. I took it out of the package for the first time and I looked at it, there was emotion in my eyes and that was mm. not acting. That was me holding that book for the first time being like, Man, I remembered that feeling from when I opened the Body Man after it came out, and I got it from Amazon, and I opened up, and there was the hardcover in my hand, and it was just, it was an emotional experience. And same thing with Ransom Daughter, uh, even though it wasn't the final copy, um, right. it was that man. That, that was a lot of work to get to that part of the hill, mm-hmm. and it was extremely rewarding. And that's what I try to tell people is, um, write, do those things for the joy it will cause inside of you. Um, right. It's easy to want to do something for others and doing stuff for others is very important in this life. Writing is something that I think has to be a little bit of a selfish endeavor because if you were writing for somebody else or if you're writing someone else's story, you're not going to have that connection you'll have if it's something that's inside you that you've got to get out. It's something that you really want. Um, And man, once you get those, that story out or get that book published, uh, that feeling is something that you wish I wish I could bottle. Um, right. And because it's it's a great feeling. And I think that's what drives all of us to then write the next book. We want to sure. reproduce that feeling that, you know, euphoria, uh, mm-hmm. dopamine feeling, whatever's going on in our heads of getting that next, you know, that next book out into the wild, which is intimidating. Um, right. Because once it's out there, then everyone can start judging you and people can say if they don't like it or they love it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the white noise, too, that I try to tell people. That was actually some good advice. Um, uh, Mark Cameron, um, oh, great who of course writes his own books and also in Tom Clancy world, who is one of the nicest guys you're going to find in publishing. Generous, helpful yes. to anybody, whether you've been published or not, he still will give you time, which is really amazing. Um, he gave me two pieces of advice. One of them was don't read your reviews mm-hmm. and don't look at sales numbers. He right. said, not not for a while. He said, your, your job is to write the book. Don't worry if it sells at first. Right. E- easier said than done if you're the publisher, if you're also the publisher and you're ma- you need to make your money back or make money. Right. Um, but with the body man, I didn't have to. Um, Ransom Daughter, I don't necessarily have to because this is a side thing uh, sure. for me. But of course, I want to make profit on it, but I'm not going to be focused on, oh, my goodness, what's my am I hitting this target, hitting this goal? My job, I have to I have to look at it from a business side, but I also then have to look at it from the creative writing side and go, hey, my job is to write the stories. So separate that in my mind, at least at times to, to just enjoy that moment of writing it and not be focused on, boy, someone didn't like it because someone's not going to like your story. Well, they're not. No. And then sometimes the reviews are completely screwed up and they, they put a review under your 
title that had nothing to do with your book or yeah. blame you for something that had nothing to do with you like the book arrived late or something like that it's it's like yeah. you know you can't let you can't let those uh knock you down um jeff sigger who is a uh a great writer gave me a, a great piece of advice years ago about writing and he said writing is a great way of life but it's not a great way to make a living and if you keep that in mind everything is in perspective because when people like us spend too much time in our own heads which we have to in order to do this kind of thing right. the whole world tends to shift out of perspective yeah no that was great advice yeah I've, I've told people that similar different verbiage but same concept of if this is if you get into writing because you think you're going to a be rich or you want to make a lot of money and you want to have this this is how you want to provide for your family you might be stupid yeah um or crazy or what fill in the blank of whatever you want to put in there but you have to get in it because of the passion right now, maybe the money will come um and hopefully it will for for people Mm -hmm. But that if that's your primary, you know, primary way of doing it, um, a reason for doing it, you could be in for a, a rough, rough go. Yeah, yeah. You you may be left wanting as Shakespeare. Yes. But well, another uh, real quick, I was going to say, too, because uh, I know you've, you've done just, you know, writing full time is uh, years ago, I saw an interview and I've talked to John, a few, uh, John Gilstrap. I met oh, John okay. a few times. I even interviewed him um, a couple of years back for one of his book releases. Um he actually got one of those amazing things where his first book was very successful. Um, right. It was optioned for and I'm Nathan's uh, Nathan's Run, I think it's called. I believe it was Nathan's Run. Uh, Nathan familiar. something. I think it's Nathan's Run. Um, but it was optioned for Hollywood. You know, significant life altering money. Right. He quit his job, and what he found um, is that that time in his life he wasn't ready to be a full time writer, sit at home and write. You know. 12 right. hours a day or whatever. And he went back to work and I don't think he went back long-term, but he needed to go back because he missed being in that environment he was in. And with the challenges, I think he worked some sort of job that dealt with uh, environmental, um, something, something involving industry and the, and the environmental impacts and stuff like that safety officer or something like that. Okay. But it's been a few years since I, since I remember interviewing him. Um, but, but yeah, that's the other thing is people think the dream is, man, I just want to write full time and I want to, you know, just push books out. And for some people, they can do that. Other people start doing that, get to that level. And they go, you know, I want to be back in an office and I want to see human beings, not just at a coffee shop or in an airport or, or right. whatever. But, um, and I, I'm probably, I don't know, I, I'd like to give it a shot. One of my options or one of my dreams I'd like to have is uh, Brad Taylor, I think was just doing some traveling over in India with his social media posts. Oh, um, yeah, I saw that that's the kind of stuff that I'd like to be in a position at one point was where I dream up the story ideas ahead of time, come up with mm -hmm. a list of cities that would fit that story narrative. And I'd like to be in a position where I can take either take time off work or not have to have a full-time job, go right. travel those places and not just rely on limited places I've been or Google maps. You know, I'd like to go, right. you know, <laughs> I'd like to eat the food and stay in the nice places and you know, live off those memories when I go back home and write. So, right uh, there is one, there's one Troy Evans novel I dreamed up years ago that I have notes on, so it's not completely in my head because I might get screwed if that was the case. Um, right, but it takes place in a South Pacific island that no, not many people have ever heard of. Um, and I thought of writing it many years back, and then I just stopped. And I'm, I promised myself this becomes one of my goals in life. 
mm-hmm. want to write this story, but I will only write this story on that island. Um, right. Doesn't mean I'll be there for a year or whatever. Maybe I only go for a month, but I will start the story and I will explore the island before I ever write a word of the narrative. Um, wow. So I've got to hustle to get, because it's not a cheap place to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the the most interesting places rarely are. That's the uh, that's the, the the problem with it. Um, exactly. Now, you have written a novella and you have written novels. I was wondering, in your experience, which one you enjoyed more or did each of them present a separate challenge for you? Um, definitely separate challenge. I don't know that I prefer one. The thing that I liked about the novella, in some ways, I guess I should say, Terrence, the novella is probably harder. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe it's a little bit more rewarding at the end because it's harder. Because in a book, when you start a novel, even if you don't have, I'm not an outliner. I'm 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 not as much of a pantser as I was in 2014. Right. Um, I always knew where I wanted to go with a novel, and I've written five and two, three quarter one. I've gotten several that are in partial formats, but five completed novels. Um, right. I've changed as I've gone along, um, but the novella you know, you know, you're probably looking at, to me, I always thought they were around 30,000 words, that, that neighborhood. Um, you've got to be really compact and sharp with what you're putting together. And it's, it's got to give a reason for the readers to keep turning the chapter, but it's got to also, in my mind, be a complete story. Um, you don't have the luxury of a, of a novel where you can kind of carry on for a little bit. You can, you can intertwine a lot of different chapters, but you can tell a complete story um you have to tell a brief story with a novella so um right. i like the challenge of it i'll probably do some more of them um on the docket for next year two full-length novels um a very very tentative idea for another one for 2025 right. um and then i've got multi i've got three three novels that are in the 25 to thirty-five thousand word range currently and one mm. of them i haven't written on in two years so right. i've got unfinished business that I need to eventually get out of my noggin. Um, right. So we'll, uh, I don't, I don't know when I do that, but maybe from the South Pacific Island. So <laughs> if, if everybody and their brother can buy ransom daughter and then, you know, have, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk maybe can, you know, buy a copy for everyone on Twitter and, you know, we'll see. That would be maybe. nice. Yeah. You know, then, uh, you know, we, we 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 can drum up sales somehow to afford this south pacific dream so <laughs> yeah yeah and a yacht to go with it because as long as you're dreaming why, why not dream big no 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 i don't want to be unrealistic i just want the. i, just, <laughs> I don't want i don't want jeff bezos you know right yeah you don't need to be that you could just be uh you know stephen king or somebody like that exactly exactly so, be i, I talked about i actually real quick i talked about stephen king recently um he, uh, I saw an interview with him. I think it was an older interview, but he was interviewing uh, George R. R. Martin, or George oh. R. R. Martin was interviewing him. One okay. of the ways they were both talking. That's all I remember. And because Martin's very famous, obviously, for writing, uh, you know, a book every like th- three years of his life, if you're lucky. I mean, he's so prolific, but he's so slow about it. Right. And Stephen King is more like a factory. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stephen was telling George um, that he his goal when he sits down every day is six pages a day. Um, right. And so that will basically get him, if he goes straight every day of the month, that'll get him a novel in two months, you know, um, which is pretty darn amazing to be able yeah. to push out that. that. But also his story is a little different. That's his gig. That's his full-time way of 
you know, putting uh, steak on the table, not bread. Steak. <laughs> steak. Yeah. Yeah. Filet Filet. Mignon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's definitely, it, it's definitely doable. I know like, like when I've been doing some of my ghostwriting assignments and also working on some of my own stuff, once you get into a rhythm over a week or so, you can ramp up to 5,000 words a day or 10 pages a day. It's doable, but it definitely takes a certain mindset and a certain amount of time to yeah. be able to dedicate to that. And commitment. It, it's commitment and it's also opportunity. And it's not that it's not for everybody. And it's that's fine. That's why, you know, I, I kind of look at when people ask me how many words a day do you write? I kind of look at it like the pitch count in baseball. People focus on the number, but not the quality of the pitches. And the go. same thing happens with the with writing. People will focus on, oh, well, I have to hit a certain number or I'm, I'm not going to be that prolific or I'm not going to get published. No, it's just the way it works for me. You know, I, 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 I write quick, but you know what? That doesn't necessarily mean it's better than something you're going to do. Find your own rhythm. Find, your, find something that works for you and continue to do that. Absolutely. And, and the, and the, the mantra I give to people is, is if you have an interest in writing, mm -hmm. complete a project, right? Don't right. start. Cause I have, and I've told this many times, probably on most of the podcasts I go to I, on the computer, I'm talking to you on right now. I have two folders. One's called books, mm -hmm. which is anything I've written since 2014 to now has mm -hmm. a lot of folders on it. Cause there's a lot of projects that I've thought of but not completed or not even started but i've got an a concept a paragraph outline of or, or idea of what to write but then i have a folder called old books and old books is all the stuff i wrote from end of college up to 2014 and there's a lot of folders on there and a lot of half or quarter or tenth of a percent written stuff and what i learned in 2014 was i had started a lot of stuff and i never finished it so right, right. what i try to preach to people now not on a high top, high top of a hill but on the bottom of the hill is like hey if you got an idea to do something finish it right. it might not be very good you might not ever be able to get an agent or sell it or it might not even be something worth self-publishing but do it for the accomplishment and the feeling you'll feel inside that you started a project or started a process and you right. saw it to completion um and that's a lesson i think we can give to our kids our friends our family anyone especially people though that want to publish is you can't fix something you don't finish the first draft on. That's so right. You've got to get that first draft done. And then you don't know, you might be, I mean, I know two people or one person last year, but a couple people in the last three or four years that out of the gate got seven figure deals on books and mm -hmm. seven figure movie deals. Um, doesn't happen very often. You are the 1% of the 1%. Yep. But that should give everyone out there writing a hope that, at least there is a 1% of a 1%. So why can't it be you? Um, right, right. It can't be if you don't finish something. It can't right, be if right. you don't put the the time into the craft. It won't be you. Guaranteed it won't be. Mm -hmm. But it can be. And that's, the, that's, that's the, the lesson to anyone is it can be. You can hold your own novel, whether it's self-published, small published, big publisher. You can get to a spot where you have your own novel in your hand and you can feel that joy that comes with it. Or you can just quit. Right. You got it's the, the the option is you know on you not on anybody else of how that's going to happen. Right, exactly right. Yeah, I know that for me, the first novel I wrote didn't get published, didn't get uh, you know any kind of attention. 
but I've harvested that novel for three, four different novels. Different pieces yep. of it appear someplace else. So there's no such a thing as wasted effort in a creative endeavor. Uh, even if you do research for something and you drop that whole line of of plot development from the book, you've still got the research and you could use it someplace else down the line. Put exactly. it on the on the hard drive in a folder, revisit it in a couple of months and you know, or a couple of years, and you never know what you've got. Well, you learn so much through the process. So I, for me, The Body Man was my fourth completed novel. And those mm -hmm. weren't small novels. This, I think the smallest one was just shy of 100,000 words, and the biggest one was 127,000 words. So mm -hmm. by the time The Body Man got done, I was pushing, you know, basically close to 450,000 words just in those books. And that didn't include a couple novellas I wrote, short stories, all the stuff before 2014. So, right, right. you know, it, it took me a probably solid a million words in before I put something together that um, someone wanted to publish. Exactly and, right. Know, again, but it's never wasted effort and never. I, I have a friend that I just spoke with earlier today and several years ago. He's not a writer. He wanted to write something. And we talked about the process. It wasn't mm -hmm. fiction or anything like that. It was a nonfiction type of project. And I just kind of gave him my two cents on how to motivate himself, how to do the process. And he did it. He never did anything with it. It's sitting on a hard drive. He has no desire to self-publish it. But it was something he said, I want to have that sense of accomplishment that I actually wrote a book. And he did it. If he did it, anyone can do it. Exactly right. It has okay. to be its own reward. Most anyone can do it. There's a few that <laughs> might not be able to, but we don't, we don't want to tell them that. So no. They have to at least try, and who knows, maybe they could become better. You never know. Yeah, well, I think, you know, what's the rule? 10,000 hours you have to put in professional athletes or at, 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 to be good at anything. I think it's 10,000 hours is what they say. Right. Um, you know, it's a, it, it, whatever the actual number is or whatever is the truth behind that is, it takes a lot of time to get good at anyone. Um, right. The Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan wasn't Michael Jordan, you know, when he was 10 years old or 18 years old or even 20 years old, you know, right. the Michael Jordan, everybody knows that took a lot of time. It took a lot of practice. Writing right. is it's it's a mental muscle um, and fingers, but <laughs> it's um, it, it's a process that takes a while. It is. It definitely is. And, and there's a lot of different ways that people can follow your writing journey because I know that you are all over social media and you update your website constantly. For you, what are some of the best ways people can continue to follow you on your uh, creative process? Yeah, so my website's a good way to shoot me shoot into the other links for me. So ericpbishop.com, the, the P is my middle initial. So um, if you're religious, you can think of Apostle Paul. If you're into music, you can think of the Beatles. So you got Paul in there. So ericpbishop.com. Um, of course, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, or I guess X, whatever they want to call it now. I speak, know. Uh, uh, threads, which I'm not that in. Threads kind of to me was really exciting there for about a day. And then yeah, seems, yeah. seems pretty quiet for the most part. But maybe that'll grow as Zuckerberg puts some more into it. Um, but yeah, I'm on all the social channels. If you, if you go out to the Google and type in Eric P. Bishop or type in the body man or type in ransom daughter, you're going to have some links come up and people can see what I'm doing. They can watch some videos. I, the, a good lesson I learned years ago from someone who became super, super successful um, mm -hmm. and had a great background to use for marketing is I said, man, I don't have a background. I'm not a former federal agent or Navy SEAL or any of that stuff. And this person just said, be yourself, 
put what interests you on your social media accounts. Right. And if people find it interesting, they'll find you, they'll come to you and that will draw attention. Just be who Eric Bishop is, um, which is what I try to do. You know, some stuff out mm -hmm. there is silly, some stuff out there is, you know, hopefully will make people think. Uh, I hope it's highly motivational because um, at the end of the day, I tell people, look, if I can get to a spot where I'm getting published books, um, so can you. You just have to put in that effort. Right. Yeah. And that's great advice. And and the wonderful thing is, uh, you know, any of the kind of advice you give people is free. It's not like you're hawking a how-to book or saying, oh, you know, if you just sign up for seven easy classes, we can get you published in no time. No, your stuff is all the wisdom that you've acquired through this journey has been fantastic. And you're that's why I wanted to have you on, because you're always looking for a way to help people. And that's uh, that that's rare in this business. Yeah. Thank you, Terrence. Well, People helped me from the get-go. Um, you know, uh, Brad Meltzer's one who I've mm. had the pleasure of meeting a few times at, at book signings, not in social settings, but at book signings. But um, early on in the process, I reached out and Brad actually responded. And, and we've had a lot of back and forth over the years. Um, right. And someone at his level, just showing the interest to me was life-changing when it came to the writing world and right. at that time i said man if i can ever give back to anyone and that's that's what i read now more than anything i have a stack of books that have come out last year from some well-known authors and i haven't opened any of them recently mm. um because i've gotten to the position now where people that are still just getting started will say hey you mind reading 10 pages or 50 pages or can you give me a blurb or whatever um that's super humbling that i get to be in a position now to be able to look at that stuff and read it and give positive feedback. Um, and yeah, super, super blessed to be able to tell others about the journey that hopefully they can learn a few lessons and maybe it will save them a little heartache that I went through. Um, maybe not because you have to learn your own lessons on your own, but if I can oh, yeah. try to help others along the journey, um, that's my honor to get to do that. It's not a chore or something um, that I take lightly. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's great. And, it, and it's great to see someone who appreciates what they've gotten in this business and 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 being willing to give it back. So thank you for taking yeah. the time to uh, speak to us today, Eric. I know the audience really appreciated it. Thank you for having me on, Terrence. I appreciate it. Best oh, of no. luck to your, your journey as well. So. Thank you, pal. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Be well, everybody. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.